just a moment. We are launching a new brand new sermon series going through the Gospel of John, focusing on Jesus for the next 15 weeks. We're going to be opening up the Word of God to learn about the Son of God, and it's going to be a great journey together, and so very excited. So if you would, grab your Bibles if you brought today, turn to the Gospel of John chapter 1, and uh, if you need to, perfectly okay. If you do, grab your table of contents, find that page number, and, uh, and turn there. We'll also have the scriptures on behind me on the screen. Uh, but as you're turning, this sermon series is a little bit different, a little bit unique, in that it's it's going to be partnering with what you see up here on this table, some devotional, a devotional guide that, uh, that looks like this. And I want to take a moment and just introduce this. You're going to receive one in just a moment. But the way this works, and i got a slide here to demonstrate it, is the sermons and this guide partner together week by week. And so here's how it looks. Today, we're going to be covering verses 1 through 18 in chapter 1 of John. Then, in your devotional guide, you can then, we have resources for you, you will pick up this week and work on John chapter 1, verses 19 through 34 on your own. The scriptures are all in here. There's questions, there's activity ideas, prayer prompts, there's all kinds of things in here to help guide you through that passage of scripture during the week. And then when we come back together again next Sunday, we're picking up on John chapter 1, verse 35. We'll go back and forth. See, the goal of this is not just for you to come on Sunday, which is good, so glad you're here, and hopefully the sermons are encouraging to you, but it's not just to go through John where we give you all the data and information and walk you through it. You also get that, and you get on your own, grabbing your own Bible at your own time, with your own cup of coffee, or however you do it, sitting down and spending time with God on your own during these these key passages, it's going to be a strategic thing for you. And so I'm very excited for, for this journey to, uh, to get going. So again, there's two parts. There's the message and there's the devotional. In fact, I got another slide for you here because I want to encourage you, if you, if you, because of the nature of how this, this journey is going to go, you don't want to miss any of the sermons. So if you, for some reason, aren't here on a Sunday morning, I want to encourage you to go to the new website, newhopeadel.org backslash media, because on that landing place, you can go right to Facebook Live Live. You can grab the podcast if you prefer that. It's all there for you, and you can keep up on all the sermons that we go through the next 15 weeks. In addition, we've also got the devotional on there as well. And, and, and here's kind of, I can encourage you, there, you know how you go to Lowe's and you got the paint section, you got good paint, better paint, really good paint, or paint brushes or whatever. You got the good, the better, and the best. This sermon series works a little bit like that in this way. Coming on Sunday and hearing the sermon, that's good. And I'm glad you're here, and, and please keep coming and enjoy the journey as we go through it. That's good. But to go to the better level, if you will, is to, is, to, is to take in the sermons and grab the devotional and work your way through that in your own quiet time with God. That's an important thing. That's the better. The best, though, is this. Grabbing the sermons, listening to those, digesting those. You'll even have, you'll see in a moment, places to take notes even during the sermon. Doing the sermons doing your own quiet times with God in the devotional as you work through it, and then being in a group environment. This is the best now, adding this to the piece, being in a small group where you can begin to dialogue about what you're learning, learn from other people about what they're learning, and interacting through the, the Gospel of John as we make this journey. Either a small group or, as we're excited about it, our family, we're in a small group too, but we're excited to sit down with our kids around the dinner table and talk about it. And we just open it up together and we're going to have questions and dialogue and what about this and did you see this? But having those kind of environments to talk is so important. So sermons, devotional, and then there is the interactive piece on your own. Those are the three pieces to make this a dynamic time together. 
And so I want to encourage you to jump in with both feet. And I'll make you two promises if you do. If, if you're willing to say, you know what, I'm going to go for it. I will do this. Here's my first promise to you. Is that you are going to grow, be challenged, and be changed. That who you are when we finish on April 19th is going to be different. It's going to be a different you than on January 12th today. That as you get in this book, this incredible, mind-blowing book, as we learn about who Jesus is, is that you are going to learn more about him. You're going to be changed in terms of your relationship with him. It's going to be a good thing. And no matter where you're at in your spiritual journey, whether you've been a Christian for decades or you're just here this morning and you're just checking things out for the first time, you're going to get something out of this. Let's make 2020 a year of growth. Let's make 2020 a year of clarity as we get to know this Jesus and we get to know who he is and what he wants from our lives. That's my first promise to you. And here's my second one, is that you're going to get to know Jesus better. I, that you're going you're gonna to know him in a better way, a different way. In fact, the Gospel of John is interesting. As I've said before, 90% of John is unique just to that book. Now, there's four gospel accounts, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Matthew, Mark, and Luke are very similar. There's a lot of overlap in those, so they call them the synoptic gospels. They're very similar. But John is very different, as in we wouldn't know this information, these stories about Jesus, unless John told us. And he does tell us. I'm so thankful. And so you're, as we go through this, you're going to be stretched in how you, you think of who Jesus is, how you relate with Jesus, and what role he plays in your daily life. I'm very excited for that. So all that said, I hope you're excited. Are you excited? Okay, good. That was a good thing. Ushers, come on down if you would, please. We're handing out the devotional guys to everybody. So here they are coming around. As they come around to you, I want to just share a couple different um, tips and so forth in terms of the devotional guys here. Uh, first is, is as they're coming around, you're welcome to take one just for yourself. If you're, if you're sitting there with your spouse, you're like, well, do we share one? I don't know. You can share. Or again, you can be like, nah, get your own. I want my own. It's up to you. Totally up to you. If you're this morning, you're like, I don't know. New Hope's new, new and this seems weird. I think I'm going to pass. That's okay too. Uh, but know that they're available to you. Um, our copy machine about boycotted New Hope Church and like walked out the door this week. So it was incredible the amount of work and copying that took place. So in light of that, make this your copy. On the page one, there's a place, write your name in there and make it big and bold. This is your book. If you lose your book, then um, this, you don't get another one. This is your book. That's another way of saying it. But if you lose your book, if we could go back a slide, please, you can go to the church website on your own or anytime if you want for that matter and go to newhopeadel.org backslash devotional. It's all there, all 65 glorious pages. You can download it. You can do whatever you want with it that way. It's all available for you digitally as well. You can also share it with friends and neighbors who maybe aren't a part of New Hope but would like their own copy of, um, of the book. Uh, for age appropriateness, we wrote this for ages middle school and up. That would be my suggestion. If you've got an elementary school student that wants to do it, that by all means they can. But I think your middle schooler, high schooler, they're going to thrive. They're going to enjoy it. It's all written for them in mind. Obviously, as high school or as adults, we'll be able to track uh, as well with that. 
I also want to take a moment, and on the first page there, you'll see, I think it's page three, there's an intro letter uh, from me there on that, but then there is a group on the lower right, group of names uh, mentioned there, and I just want to take a moment and, and to thank that team of people that put this devotional together. We didn't just steal this from a book or whatever. This was New Hopers who came together, spent a lot of time, hours of pouring over Scripture, of writing this content and this devotional for you, and they did a phenomenal phenomenal job, both of the writing and the formatting. I had an office team that came in and made copies this week. So I just want to take a moment and say thank you to all those who are involved in writing this resource uh, for us as New Hope Church. Thank you for all your work with that. uh, It did a great job. All right, does everybody have a book? We're ready to go. Let's get started. All right, first just a couple words of background on John. John, uh, at the time when he wrote this book, uh, the Gospel of John, it's around the years 80 to 180. We don't have a good dating for this book. It's somewhere in that time, but John is an older man now at this point. He was the youngest probably of the 12 disciples, and he lived a fascinating life. He was a fisherman. He was a blue-collar worker, and he, uh, that was his occupation. But Jesus came, called him to a ministry with him, and so he dropped the nets, left the boat and followed Jesus as a disciple. He was one of the 12 disciples that was a part of Jesus's core team there. In addition to that, John was also what we call the inner three. He was also part of not only the 12, but out of that 12, he had three of those disciples that he spent a lot of time with. And John was one of them, Peter, James, and John. And and so that gave John a front row seat, not only to the entirety of Jesus's three-year ministry, but also some special moments and some special teaching that Jesus was giving just to those three gentlemen. John was there for all that. He saw it all. John was there at the, at the crucifixion of Jesus. He, he was there when Jesus was on the cross. The other disciples are gone, but John is there. In fact, Jesus on the cross, we'll talk about this later on, but he, he, he speaks to John. He says, John, take care of my mother, Mary, who was there beholding this. And, and Mary, you're now gonna be taken care of by John. This is our author, John. He was there at the crucifixion. He was there with, with the empty tomb, one of the first people who ran to the tomb upon word that Jesus was gone. And so he ran there to the tomb. He was one of the first ones there. He, he was one of the first ones and a part of seeing Jesus and the resurrected Jesus and interacting with, with Jesus after the crucifixion. Three days later, he's alive and, and John is there and he got to interact with, with Jesus in that setting. He was also there for Jesus' ascension back to heaven after 40 days. John was there at the start of the church. He was there when the church began in Jerusalem and had a front row seat to both its launch, but also was a strategic player, a church leader throughout the beginning early stages of the church. In many ways, when John writes this gospel, he is at that stage and at that time, he is the highest spiritual authority on earth. All the other disciples have passed away. They're all dead. But John lived a long life and he remained he wrote five books of the Bible, John, Gospel of John being one of them. He, he did so much. It, it, it's almost like with the Gospel of John, he's saying, I was an eyewitness. I had the privilege of being an eyewitness to all of these events. And it's all true. I want to tell you about them. This is what John's doing. This is this incredible book that he writes for us. See, the Gospel of John is all about Jesus. And more specific than that, it really interacts with two key questions. 
And I, for me, I consider them life's most important questions. If you have a bulletin, it's on the backside there. And these two questions, they're, they're more important than questions like, who do I marry and where do I live and what job path do I go down? Those are important questions, but those aren't the most important questions. The two most important questions in all of life are the ones that John weaves throughout the entire gospel that we're going to be interacting with throughout all these weeks together. There are these, these are the questions. They're, they're not even filling the blanks, but they're on your bulletin. The first one is lit up in lights. The stage design team, you guys are incredible in what you put up here. Thank you for that. But there it is. Question number one, who is Jesus? Who is Jesus? How would you answer that? We want to have clarity on that question. And the second question is also, is this, what does he want from me? The first one's the most important because once you get settled on that, then you can respond to the second question. Who is Jesus and what does he want for my life? Those are the questions. And those are the questions that John is going to interact with throughout this book here as he weaves it through. I'm going to show you one example. In John chapter 20, verse 31. John chapter 20, verse 31. John gives us the... The main purpose of why he wrote this gospel for us. I mean, he just lays it out for us. If any of you were English majors back in the day, this is his thesis statement. This is the, the big idea for the entire book. And I want you to see how these questions are woven in. Look with me at John chapter 20, verse 31. Here's what he says. He says, but these things are written. What things? Well, the gospel of John, the, the whole book. He's about to close the book. He says, but these things are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. That's why he wrote it. That's the purpose of this book. And he outlines the two questions right there. Question number one, who is Jesus? There it is. He says, I, I, these things are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God. Who is Jesus? John tells us right here at the beginning. He says, look, Jesus is Christ, Messiah, Son of God. This is who he is. And the second question, answering, and that you, by believing that you may have life in his name, who, what, how does he want us to respond? Well, he wants us to respond by faith, that Jesus is who we just said he is, Messiah Christ, Son of God, and responding to him with believing, saving faith. That's what he wants. And so John chapter 1, hopefully you're there by now, John chapter 1 begins with an introduction. Now John has a lot of stories, and the stories are going to be fascinating as we journey through this gospel together. But chapter 1 is a little different. The beginning of John is a lot of theology. It's a lot of teaching. And that's what we're going to jump into this morning. John is going to give an introduction. But the introduction is not about himself. And in fact, John never once even mentions his name in the entire gospel account. He intentionally steps back. And he, in a sense, brings Jesus to the front on the stage. and says, I want to introduce Jesus to you. Because the book is all about him. And so that's what he does. I remember years ago, I was with the Navigators, and it was a Sunday morning, and we were doing this chapel event, if you will, and somebody came and tapped me on the shoulder a few minutes before we started and said, hey, would you be willing to emcee? Would you just kind of kick off the, the service and do announcements, pray, you know, that kind of thing, and introduce the speaker? I, sure, I'd be happy to do that. Uh, who's the speaker? And so they pointed over in the back corner, and it was a guy by the name of, and it's, for me, it's one of my favorite authors of all time, but Jerry Bridges. He's an old Navigator guy. 
And, and so Jerry was in the back. He said, would you go introduce Jerry? I, said, I mean, I was like, woohoo, I'm so excited. So I, I go to the back and hello, Mr. Bridges, I'm Ryan. And, and I get to introduce you here this morning. Can I have your autograph? You're pretty awesome. You know, I was doing all that kind of stuff, but, but I wanted to get to know him so that I could introduce him. I really didn't know anything about him other than I'd read his books. And so, so what did I do? Well, I, I wanted to get some key information I, about three different areas. So the first one is I want to know a little bit about his, his background. So, so where are you from? And so I talked to Jerry about where he's from and that kind of thing. I, I want to know about his family, who you're connected with. Uh, you know, who, you're married, you have kids, grandkids, that kind of a thing. And then third, I want to know about his accomplishments. What, what have you done? What are you working on now? What, what have you written? What have you spoken? Whatever. And so I got to know him and introduce Jerry in that way. John, when he introduces Jesus, does the exact same thing. He's going to talk about Jesus' background. He's going to talk about his connections, who he knows, who he's in relationship with. He's going to talk about his accomplishments, what he's going to try to do. That's what he does. So with that said, let's jump in together. And, and, and read these first handful of verses together. Now look, these first five verses especially, we could spend months on it. You're about to drink from a fire hose because this is coming at you fast. But here's how the gospel of John begins. It says this, in the beginning was the word. Now the word is Jesus. It's a descriptor for him. I'm not gonna get into why they do all that, but, but they were talking about Jesus. And what this literally says is, before the beginning began, before time began, we actually talked about this at Christmas, that Christmas was not the start of Jesus, that the Son of God is eternal. He's never had a beginning. He's never had, a, he'll never have an end. And he really noodle on that. Think about it, it's a mind bender, right? I mean, that's just a tough thing to consider that Jesus, the Son of God, was there before the beginning began. So in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God. So in other words, before the beginning began, Jesus, the Son of God, existed, was there, and was with God, the Father. They were in relationship. That word with means close, intimate, nose-to-nose connection. This is a, a little glimpse of the Trinity. That Jesus was there, he's eternal, he's there before he exists, before the beginning began. He is with the Father in relationship, that's who he's connected to there in that setting. And the Word, keep going, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. This is so important. John is crystal clear right out of the gate. Jesus is God. That's huge. Jesus says, said he was God in his ministry. Jesus was, was murdered, put on a cross because of this very claim. You know, you know what this means? This means that the most important person that's ever lived is Jesus. This means that though Jesus took on flesh and is like us, he's also not like us. He's God. He's, he's divine. He is different. There is nobody like Jesus. Verse 3, let's keep going. More descriptors. It says that through him, meaning through Jesus, all things were made. All things were made. And without him, nothing was made that has been made. This means that Jesus, the Son of God, created everything and everybody. And if you look up all things in the Greek, what language this is written in, it means all things. It means everything. And it means you and me. It means us. And this is significant because if Jesus created all things, including you and I, that means all things belong to him. It means you belong to him. 
That you're his creation. You're his possession, so to speak. It means that you are here. You are made and are here from him, for him, and because of him. That you are not an evolutionary accident. That you are created with value, with dignity, and with purpose. You are from him. Jesus, the son of God, created you and all things. Let's keep going, verses four and five. And in him, in Jesus, was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. And the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not uh, overcome it. And so here we see that Jesus is the source of life, and he's the light of the world, meaning he's the revealer of what is true. Okay, let's push the pause button. That's a lot, isn't it? That introduction just gives so much information about who Jesus is. And you know what else it does? It, at least in my opinion, it, it blows up any box you might put Jesus in. I, I mean, a box where, where we say, you know, Jesus is, is a, a good person. Jesus is a, a prophet. Jesus is, uh, um, you know, a moral leader. Jesus is a great teacher. We, we sometimes we have these parameters that we put Jesus in to keep him safe, to keep him contained that this is Jesus. And it comes along at verses like these and it just shatters the whole thing that he's not that. I mean, he may be that, but he's so much more. That, that he, is, he is creator, that he is God, that he is the source and sustainer of life and light, that all things come from him. This is the Jesus that is introduced to us as we start the gospel of John. He, Jesus is, is bigger than you think, and let me submit this. Jesus is bigger than you can think. He's beyond all of that. Any parameters we put around him, he's bigger. He is absolutely bigger. And this is the Jesus that we're going to get to know better, worship and love. And I would submit to you this, that you and I, uh, for those who know Christ, we will spend eternity learning about, astonished by, and grateful for Jesus. But we get to start now. We get to start now and learning more about him. So that's the introduction. That's the introduction. Now, verses 6, 7, and 8. We're, actually, we're not going to talk about those. In verses 6, 7, and 8, John then introduces John the Baptist. But John the Baptist is who you're going to focus on in your devotional this week as you spend time in John chapter 1, verses 19 through 34. So I'm going to push pause on that. You can come back and learn more about John the Baptist on your own this week. So let's pick up now in verse 9. Now, if so far, if we've taken on the question, who is Jesus? This question here, who, give us a snapshot of who is Jesus. Now John is going to transition us and take on a second question. And I think this is a fascinating question. The question in his introduction of Jesus is this. Okay, we've talked about who Jesus is. Let's talk about this. What was it like for Jesus to live here among us? You ever thought about that? What, what was it like for him to be here? To be with us? What was his, his experience like? What was that? John's going to take that on here, starting in verse 9. Go ahead and join me or follow along the screen behind. Look what John says. He says, The true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. He was in the world, and though the world was made through him, the world did not, and here's the key word, the world did not recognize him. And here's your first fill in the blank on your bulletin. Here's it's this idea that Jesus was not recognized by his creation. 
That though he's, he's the creator, he is Lord, he is sustainer, he is all of these things, Jesus steps into human humanity, into his own creation, puts on a human suit, is born as a baby in Bethlehem, and lives among people, and he, he's not recognized. The people just don't see him for who he was. They, they judge him in other ways and evaluate him by other scales, but people did not recognize him. Rather amazing, but it's about to get worse. Here's your next fill in the blank is this. Not only did they not recognize him, Jesus also was not received by his own. He was not recognized and he was not received. Look with me at verse 11. It says, he, Jesus, came to that which was his own, meaning his own place, his own creation. He came to that which was his own, but his own, here referring to people, his own people did not receive him. Neither recognized nor received. Going a step further, he was rejected, despised. We just celebrated Christmas, and we know the story of how Jesus there, his birth, and Mary and Joseph, they come into Bethlehem, and they're looking for a place for Mary to give birth, and there's no room for him. There's no place. Doors are shut everywhere. There's nowhere for him to go. So they end up going what the Greek in the New Testament calls the cataluma. It's basically the garage. Essentially, it's what it was. It's what it even is today, so to speak. They go to the Cataluma, and that's where Jesus is born in those kinds of settings. There was no room. But I want to submit to you, that pattern continued throughout Jesus' life. It never really changed. He, he, he came loving and teaching and sharing, but he was not recognized. He, he was not received this is the pattern for his life. Now, if you would, jump to verse 14. I think one of the, the most amazing verses in all the, the Bible. It says, The Word, speaking of Jesus, became flesh and made his dwelling among us. And we have seen his glory. So John's saying, look, I was an eyewitness. I, I saw it. We have seen his glory. The glory of the one and only Son who came from the Father full of grace and truth. Here we see the Son of God stepping into creation, becoming a person, human. This is called the incarnation. It's the fancy word for it. And hanging out with us. That's what dwelling means. He spent time with us. He was Emmanuel with us. This is important because every other religion, major religion on planet Earth is, is people trying to be good enough to ascend to God and here we see this picture of it completely inverted where the Son of God descends to man to become like us. And yet we didn't recognize him. We didn't receive him. We turned our backs on him. But what's interesting, at the end of verse 14, do you notice how it says that he came full of grace and truth? In fact, that's your next fill in the blank, your last one. That despite how Jesus was treated, he showed grace and truth. John keeps going. Let's wrap up with our last couple of verses here. It says that out of his fullness, we have all received grace in place of grace already given. Grace means undeserved favor. He's saying, look, we, we have received undeserved favor and just, God just keeps piling more undeserved favor upon undeserved favor. 
grace upon grace, lavishing that among people, you. For the law was given through Moses, Old Testament. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God with their eyes, but the one and only Son, who is himself God and is the, in closest relationship with the Father, has made him known. Can I submit to you, it couldn't have been easy for Jesus to be here. It couldn't have been easy for him to be despised, mocked, rejected. You know, there was 11 assassination attempts on his life. They were successful in number 11. But it couldn't have been easy. And yet, despite how he was treated, consistently Jesus responded with this interconnected beauty of grace and truth coming together. And in that, he serves for you and I an example, doesn't he? An example of how to treat people and how to respond to people no matter how you're treated. And and even maybe this week, something happened to you. Somebody said something, did something, and it hurt. And maybe it still hurts. And and those are tough things to deal with. Maybe it'll happen this coming up week. I I don't know. But the example of Jesus to, to respond with graciousness, undeserved favor upon undeserved favor, but also truth, married together. He provides a great example for all of us on how to respond. So who is Jesus? John tells us. He's the Son of God. He's the Messiah. And I hope for you, you have clarity around that. And what does he want from you? Look with me at verse 12 as we close this morning. This is what he wants. He says, yet to all who did receive him or do receive him today, to those who believe in Jesus' name and believe today, he, Jesus, gives the right to become children of God. Children born not of, of natural descent nor human decision or of a husband's will, but here it is, born of God. Supernatural. Born again. What Jesus wants is a relationship with you. What what, what he wants is that we would come to a place of clarity about who he is, clarity about who we are, and respond to him and say, yes, I want that. I invite you into my heart and life as my Lord and Savior. I want a relationship with you. Because you know, John chapter 1, verses 1 through 18, it's really the story of reality, and it's the story of the gospel. It's a story that there is a God that exists who loves you and is good. And he created all this, that you and I would come to know him, love him, walk with him, and bring him glory. But it's also a story about how you and I have gone our own way. We've turned our back on him. We've rejected him, neither recognizing him nor receiving him. And yet God in his love and grace sent his son on a search and rescue mission for us. And it's like some that are out in hiding and running from God. Some hear the call from the son and they respond and they turn and they come home. And it's like the story of the prodigal son where the son returns, coming to his senses and has the speech about works. I'm sorry I've sinned against you in heaven and all that. And the father doesn't care, doesn't want to hear it and just runs to the son and embraces him and says, my son who was dead or lost is now found. He's returned. But the crazy thing is some don't return. Some keep running. They keep going their own way. 
and God keeps pursuing and God keeps calling. And maybe this has been your story. Maybe it's your story today, I don't know. But it's a story where you've yet to come home. It's a story that, quite frankly, is exhausting, isn't it? As we go our own way and we do our own thing. Jesus, the Son of God, wants a restored relationship with you. That's what he wants. That's how he wants us to respond. And whether it's this morning, today, and if this is something that you want to talk more about, I'll be available after the service and there's others too. But, but, but may there's today or at some point during this 15-week journey that you would not leave your journey through the Gospel of John without saying yes to Jesus in a relationship with him. Inviting him in, not, not just in a, a decision or a posture to say, okay, I, you're my Lord and Savior, check the box, I'm good, let me move on with my life. But a journey of learning, what does it mean to walk with him and know him? and invite him into the details of my life. That's what we're after. Band, if you come on up, please. We're gonna, we're gonna close here in just a moment and sing and worship. But I, I just, in my closing words, can, can I just encourage you this morning? If I have to say it this way, double dog dare you, I don't know how you more to kind of get oomph behind it, but just to encourage you to jump in, take the journey and say, you know what, for 15 weeks, I'm all in. For 15 weeks, I want to do this. For 15 weeks, I'm, I'm going to be catching the sermons. Yes, that's good, fine. But, but I want to, I'm going to get in the devotional. I'm going to get out my pen, and I'm going to just read these verses. I'm going to circle things and write questions. And, and then I want to interact with people. I want to interact with my spouse or my family. I want to get into a small group and talk about this. Small groups are doing this too. But to journey together to make 2020 a year of growth so that you know at the end of it all with absolute conviction and clarity who Jesus is and what he wants from your life. That's what we're after. Are you excited? Okay. <laughs> Trying to give the old Gipper speech here. This is not working so well. Are you excited? Yeah. Okay, good. All right, all right. Hey, let's pray together and then we're gonna sing and worship. Lord, thank you for the time this morning. Thank you that we can begin this journey of focusing on you. Uh, Lord, even already, you, you just have stretched this notion of, of who your son is. And Lord, we just received that and we thank you. We're excited to jump in this week today and journey through the Gospel of John together. Change our lives, change our church. Help us to become more like you. In Jesus' name we pray. And everyone said, amen. amen.